0: Who among you would say to your slave, who has just come in from ploughing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Who would? Well, no one who could afford a slave would do that. You don't buy a dog and bark yourself, do you? No one would, except we're reading this in Luke's Gospel. So we have to be really careful about being sure what the response ought to be. Because Luke's gospel, as I've mentioned a few times when we've been talking about Luke, is the upside-down gospel. It's the gospel where losing your life means that you save it. It's the gospel where the first become the last and the last become the first. The humble are exalted. Shepherds the lowest of the low, are the first to see Jesus, the King of the Jews. A man leaves 99 sheep for one, making no sense at all. This is the upside-down gospel, so anything you read, you've got to be really careful what the response would be. Why wouldn't you reverse things? Just to see what happens. Why wouldn't you invite your slave, your servant to sit and you serve them. Well, the reason you wouldn't is because there's a difference between them and us. They're the slaves. We're the real people. They're the slaves and... But of course, wait a minute. Jesus goes on to say, you too are slaves. You too have to do the ordinary things of life that make life work. Doesn't matter who you are, you still have to kind of get things going. You have to get up in the morning, hopefully on time on a Daylight Saving Day, and you have to get stuff going, and you have to do the the ordinary stuff of life. And when you do it, don't expect to be praised for it. It's just the ordinary things that we have to do to be a human being, to be alive, to do what we have to do. We're not very stable geniuses. Well, one of us is, but um, he keeps telling us that he is. We're just ordinary people doing the ordinary things. You don't need to be big-noted, and you don't need to big-note yourself. You're just doing the ordinary stuff. A better way of translating that last verse that other translations have than the one we were reading is we are slaves, undeserving of special praise, because all we've done is what is our duty. We're just doing the ordinary stuff. It might be that we're the little ones that Jesus talks about not putting in the way, a stumbling block in the way of. We're not big and important. We're just ordinary people. But ordinary people who are deeply loved and cared for and appreciated. How do I know that? Because it would be better for the person who put a stumbling block in the way of an ordinary person to have a millstone tied around his neck and be thrown into the sea. That's how loved ordinary people like you and I are, that Jesus would come up with a wonderful, hyperbolic, angry action to somebody who would do that. That's how important you are. And where did you get that value? Well, it's not from what you've done or from what you've achieved or from your lineage or your class or your reputation. Your value is in being ordinary, a little one. And Jesus uses this idea of the smallness of people, the ordinariness of people. And he was talking in a a time when class consciousness wouldn't have been used, that language, but that's what it was about. What people were really aware of. It's just a matter of being alive. When a new child arrives in the world, it doesn't do anything useful at all. It costs you a lot of time and sleep, a lot of money. For what? It has no intrinsic value. But even to talk like that just sounds bizarre. It sounds wrong in every sense because the child is valued for being alive, being itself. How would that change if that child is fortunate enough to live to the age of 20 or 40 or 70 or 102 as our dear friend Ida will be, a member of this congregation for those of you who don't know who no longer is able to come 102 ne- week after next how would that change the value of that person but the apostles the disciples and they, the, the word is used interchangeably here they won't give up please we need more faith no you don't you don't need more of anything Increase our faith. How can you increase faith? Or trust is a much better word than faith. You either trust or you don't. You all sat down on these pews today because you trusted that they would hold your weight. You can't half trust. You could have sort of hovered above it, wondering whether it would hold your weight. But that's not trust. So you sit in it, and that is trust. You can't have more of it. You either trust or you don't. You can't be half a citizen, for example, of Australia. You either are one or you're not one. I am one and I can prove it with a document. Some of you are one and you can prove it with a document. Some of you aren't and so you're not. So when these disciples say, well, give us more faith, Jesus then responds with another absurdity. Oh, well, if you had more faith, you could take a mulberry tree, rip it up out of the roots and plant it in the ocean. Great. That's, that's really useful. I can't think of the number of times I've wanted to dig up a mulberry tree and plant it in the ocean. It's a joke. Nobody wants to do that. First of all, the ocean is salt water. If you plant a tree in salt water, unless it's a, a mangrove, it's a, it's a joke. You don't need to be able to do these extraordinary things they're dumb they're pointless they're useless you don't need more faith you need to be who you are it's absurd otherwise it's still part of that old thing that you get accepted for being good or for being faithful like a good Christian or you get accepted because of the things you believe and if you don't believe the things that you're supposed to believe then you're not acceptable And if I had more faith, if I was stronger, if I was thinner, if I was richer, if I was smarter, if I was, insert any stupid thing you like there, I would be more acceptable to the people in my life or to God. But isn't forgiving seven times seven is not forgiving 7 times 7 Seven, as you probably know, is one of the numbers in Judaism that kind of encapsulates the fullness of everything. So it's really saying you forgive all the time forever. Doesn't that require an enormous amount more faith than I've got? I don't think so. I think it it encapsulates a different way of thinking about the world. Let me give you an example of this. You're at a dinner. At a restaurant with a group of family. And you've eaten a wonderful meal and you've drunk lots of wonderful things. And at the end of the meal, the waiter brings the bill, a long list of all the things that you've eaten and drunk. And you say, Right, we'll divide this up. Now, should we divide it up equally? There's nine of us. So if we divide it by, well, that, that won't work because you didn't drink any wine and you. I'm not saying anything, but you did have more than a few glasses. And you ordered the really expensive wine, what I would have been happy with, the cheaper wine. And I don't want to brag, but, you know, I'm fairly careful about what I eat, so I didn't eat as much as you. And plus, Julie's a vegan, and Frank doesn't drink anything at all, and, 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 and so, we, so that one, so we could divide it up... Well, then, we divide it up by who had what, but we didn't... Halfway through all of this, someone puts up their hand and says, oh, it's done. The bill's already been paid. Nobody listens to that because you keep going and say, well, not only did you eat... You ate a lot of that and I didn't eat very much, and that had prawns in it, which are quite expensive, and this one just had tofu, which isn't that expensive. And also, you owe me 50 bucks from... Do you remember last week you owe me 50 and they're going, excuse me, the, the bill, that bill, it's already been paid. This is, this is nonsense. It's just wasting our time and energy. We're taking things out on each other that have got nothing to do. It's already done. You forgive because it's already forgiven. These things have already happened. You are already a forgiven A live human being Not because you've done anything smart Not because you've thought about it Not even because you've read this text You might not even know this text exists You might think that the New Testament Is a complete and utter fabrication You might think God doesn't exist It doesn't really matter Because these things have already been done The bill was paid In fact before the waiter Brought the document to the table And you started arguing about it It's not dependent on who you are or what you've done. So why not invite the slave to eat while you go and cook? Why not swap it around? It doesn't make any difference. It's all the same. We've all been welcomed in to this extraordinary universe of grace, of goodness, of welcome and forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you say you believe. Of course, it does matter at a different level. If you believe everyone hates you, you will live a terrible life. It's not true. But if you think it's true, you will live badly. If you think when you go outside, there are aliens trying to probe your brain and steal all your thoughts, you won't go outside. It's not true but it will change the way you live. So it matters at a different level, but at a fundamental level, it's all rubbish. It's not true at all. The truth is, who you are is welcomed by God because you are who you are. Doesn't matter what religion you are. Doesn't matter what gender or sexuality you are. Doesn't matter who you voted for at the last election. Doesn't matter any of those things. Which is why I think it's great that we don't know who this young woman is up here on the wall, the girl with the pearl earring. She's everyone. And because of the genius of Vermeer as a painter, his ability to capture light, doesn't she look glorious? And if he painted any one of us, we would look just as glorious. Don't look at me like that. It's true. We would. (laughs) We are welcomed. So be it.